21 and verse 1 of Isaiah. The burden of the desert of the sea. As whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it cometh from the desert from a terrible land. A grievous vision is declared unto me, the treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously, and the spoiler spoileth. Go up, O Elam, besiege, O Media, all the sighing thereof have I made to cease. Therefore are my loins filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold upon me as the pangs of a woman that travaileth. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted. Fearfulness affrighted me. The night of my pleasure hath he returned into fear unto me. So what do we do? Prepare the table. Watch in the watchtower. Eat, drink, arise, ye princes, and anoint the shield. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, and let him declare what he seeth. And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses, a chariot of camels. And he hearkened diligently with much heed, and he cried, A lion, my Lord. I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole nights. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. O my threshing and the corn of my floor, that which I have heard of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have I declared unto you. The burden of Duma, he calleth to me out of Seir. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman said, the morning cometh and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, return and come. Um, I'm going to preach to you tonight. We need a watchman. We need a watchman. Amen. Father, let your word go forth tonight with clarity. Let it be, O oh God, that our spirits, our hearts, our minds are ready to receive what thus saith the Holy Ghost. And we're going to love you and honor you and thank you in advance for the good seed being placed in good soil. Granted in Jesus' mighty name and let the church say amen. 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 Would you fill this house with praise and thanks tonight? Praise the living God. Come on, church. Lift him up right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Oh, I love being in church. Just a few weeks ago, I was preaching to this room, and none of you were here. 
nevertheless, we kept preaching. And so do you know what we're going to do until the Lord comes? We're going to keep preaching. Praise God. I don't want to bore you tonight, but just hang with me. The year is 689 B.C., and the world is in turmoil. The Babylonian Empire is under attack by the Assyrian Empire. All of the nations in that part of the world had hoped against hope that Babylon would be able to defeat the Assyrian aggressors to their north. However, we can see that it was not to be. Babylon fell to the Assyrian army, and everyone knew that they would not be stopped until they had destroyed and dominated the entire region. They were not out for small victories to just take a couple of cities and flex their muscles. The Assyrians wanted world domination. Against this backdrop of war and the certainty of attack upon the nation of Israel, knowing that whether they were next on the list or tenth on the list, the Assyrians were coming for Israel. God commanded the prophet Isaiah not to prophesy about wealth and jobs and prosperity and money coming to you, but rather to stand and to prophesy and tell them as a watchman that there are some things on the horizon that we must be aware of and we must be vigilant about. And so God commanded Isaiah to assume the role of that watchman. He was to look into the future and tell the people what he saw approaching. And it's exactly what the prophet did in this text. Oh God, my prayer in the 21st century is that we have some watchmen that are willing to stand on the mountain and to proclaim some things that need to be said. I don't want to sound tonight like I'm trying to be controversial whatsoever. But in this day and time, it seems like people only want prophets that are telling them of the good things that are to come. They only want prophets that are telling them about a change in their job. They only want prophets that are telling them about increase in the size of their house. They only want prophets that are telling about prodigals coming home. But we need some prophets that can see in the spirit that will stand up and declare in this hour that the church of the living God must not be caught off guard and unaware by what the enemy is doing. Let me tonight, if I could, plant just a seed in the spirit tonight of this church and tell you that I believe it has been a tool of the enemy in my lifetime. And I certainly can't speak too far before that time, but I have watched in my lifetime as the church as a whole in general spends so much of our time trying 
to recover from things that really would have never happened to us if we would have been vigilant and seen in the spirit. I don't believe that God is coming back for a church that's constantly trying to figure out how to recover from the next move and where do we go from here and what do we do from there? No, I believe that if we're praying and we're seeking God proactively that we can live in a posture and a position in the end time church that we are wise to the devil's devices. I'm telling you right now I am tired of living in an apostolic so-called generation that's always trying to figure out how to save our families and save our marriages and recover from adultery and fix all of the things that should have never happened if we were proactively praying and seeking the face of God. We need a watchman. I, again, I don't want to get distracted, but I want to tell you what I believe tonight. So you just hang with me right here and I'm going to tell you that we are, we are somehow reactively trying to fix uh, an epidemic of divorce in the church age. And what I want to tell you tonight is that the issue is that divorce is not what needs to be fixed. What needs to be fixed is we need some watchmen on the front side of the altar before people ever step up and make their vows to one another that will stand up and declare to our young people, you better be sure that this is the one and that you have sought God for this. You better be sure that you're walking in the will of God. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. We don't have to live watching our children hurt because of decisions that we allow to be made in their lives. We've got to be sure that there is a watchman somewhere that's praying and seeking God and saying, don't go there. Don't do that. That's not right. We're trying to figure out how to fix a problem that is a problem connected to a bigger problem. We've got to have spiritual insight. We have got to get ourselves to a place that we're not reeling and rolling all the time because of the blows that we have taken from the enemy. When Jesus stepped on to the boat with his disciples, he said, let us go to the other side. He did not tell them that there would be a storm there, but certainly one thing is for sure. When the storm blew in, they knew who to call on because he was riding on their vessel. I'm not telling you that you're going to go through life without storms. But what I am saying to you is you don't have to live in recovery from storms that have broke your vessel and turned you inside out because you didn't know who to call on. We need a watchman. I hope I'm making sense to somebody tonight. When I tell you that if the church has ever been proactive, now is the time. We do not have to be a church. I believe in health and healing and recovery and helping people that have fallen get back up. But let's all just be honest tonight. I mean like really, really honest without getting our feelings in a wad and getting hurt, okay? 
And let's just be honest enough to say tonight that some of the greatest pains that we've ever gone through in our lives were by self-inflicted wounds that did not have to happen if we would have walked by the Spirit and been led by the Spirit. I'm not saying that we're never going to make bad decisions, but for everything that's holy and sacred, whatever happened to the day of fearing God and fearing the Word of God, and when the sound was heralded and somebody said, don't go down that road road don't you walk down that path that somebody would listen up with their ear and say my god if you spoke that to the watchman then i want to know it is not the will of god i tell you there are watchmen that are coming down off the wall every day It's a heartbreaking thing to me to see watchmen that are coming down. But you know what? There's a mix of several different things here. You got the little kid that cried wolf. And so everybody stopped believing that there was a wolf. You got preachers on that side that stand up and just declare that everything's dangerous because they want to control people's lives. And then the other side... You've got people that are so tired because they're dealing with carnality that every time they make the announcement, everybody says that they are the other person that just believes everything's wrong. You know, some folks don't believe fat meat's greasy. And some believe that uh, it don't matter what you do, you know, you're not going to make it anyhow. And they're so spiritual. And that, hey, that's fine. Whatever. Whatever boat you want to get on, that's fine. Just get on it. But I'm telling you tonight in Jesus' name that we need some people to be trusted that have been proven and tested. I'm not talking about some fly-by-night dude that jumps up in the pulpit and says, hey. The Holy Ghost sent me to tell you. We need to try those spirits and see if they be of God. But whenever there are men of God that step to the pulpit in my life, wherever I'm at, and I'm there listening to their voice and I'm hearing what they're saying, and they look at me and say, son, you are headed in the wrong direction. I plan on right then, right then, putting on my brakes and turning around and going the other direction. I don't know who I'm reaching for tonight or if you're in this building or I'm preaching to you online. But I've come to tell somebody in this house tonight, if you felt a check in the Holy Ghost, don't you dare ignore that check. If you feel a check in your spirit, I'd rather be embarrassed right now and back out of whatever it is that I would to miss God. This is not just about fear. This is not just about looking foolish. This is not about being afraid of God. This is about understanding that you don't have to recover from a fall if you never fall. This message was written 2,700 years ago. But it's as timely as it's ever been in today's headlines. War is raging among people of every nation, seemingly in the world. People losing their lives by the thousands. And you can call them whatever you want to call them. I call them terrorist attacks. Crazy stuff going on, man. I noticed the other day that in the 
neutral zone. I don't know what to call it now. In the neutral zone where peace and love are being shown. And this is a good, healthy way for us to demonstrate. What is it? Chop. Chop. That's something we do with our steak. In Chop, there was a, a murder. And I was told, I didn't see it. I was told that a woman stood up in Chop, which is the, the neutralized zone, whatever. Well, I don't even know what to call it. And someone had been hurt severely. And so the woman stood up and said over a loudspeaker, we need someone that has experience in security to come help us. If you would please come forward. And I'm thinking, isn't that who you asked to leave? Now, don't, don't get too rustled up here because I'm teeing this thing up. This looks so stupid to us with a bunch of people putting up barriers and walls and marching around with guns saying they're doing it for peace and then telling authority, get out of here. We don't want any authority. Only to find out a few days later, we need authority. And while this sounds goofy, I've been in the church long enough to know that that same spirit is in the church. Ain't that right, choir? If I needed somebody to run my life, if I needed somebody to tell my kids what to do, all right. I think I'll just stay home and let Benny Hen feed me. Well, then you better call Benny Hen when that kid goes to court because that kid didn't need any authority. You can be seated. We're funny. Because the shoe always looks hilarious on somebody else's foot. But you just write this down. You can call me an old know-it-all. I told you so, preacher, whatever you want to call me. But I'm just telling you, no matter how old you get or what happens in your life, there will come a day in your life that you're going to need the church. And you're going to need the voice of a preacher. And you're going to need your brothers. And you're going to need your sisters. And you're going to need the family of God. And you're going to need to lean on one another. Are you hear what I'm telling you tonight? 
And so the deal is we want the preacher to stand up and say, don't you do that so that then we can use the preacher as the excuse when we're, when we're miserable. God never intended for the watchman to stand up and start picking off people that wanted to walk outside the wall. That was never the duty or the obligation of the watchman. The watchman was never to stand up and say, if you walk out the gate, then we're going to kill you. Absolutely not. The job of the watchman was to stand on the wall and to look outside of the wall and say, hey, Hey, I'm warning you, there's some things on the outside of this wall that if you step out of this city of refuge, you're going to find yourself in a mess. You hear this preacher when I tell you tonight, we've got to get pressure off of the watchman's shoulders. It is not their job to keep us saved. We've got to get the want to down deep in our spirit. They said, Lord, whatever I've got to do, I've got to be saved. Oh, my, my, my. We don't need watchmen to stick their finger in their mouth, stick it up in the air and say, which way is the wind blowing today? Because whichever way the wind's blowing, that's the way that I want to be. Whichever's going to pay me the greatest dividends and give us some most tithe payers and fill up more seats and do whatever we got to do to build bigger buildings and bigger houses. Oh, God, forgive us for that spirit that's gripped a hold of us by feeling intimidated by TV preachers that's telling everybody it's the will of God to get you off skid row and turn you into a millionaire. I'm telling you, church, you listen to me. Not everybody, and I believe in prosperity. I believe in God blessing people, but not everybody's meant to be a millionaire. Because if you ever get to the place that you don't need him, more than likely you're going to walk away from him. Maybe y'all aren't ready for what I'm trying to tell you right now. But I feel like sometimes we start praying about things that aren't really the issue. And we say, Lord, if I had more money, and if I had a better job, and if I had more of this, and I had more of that, and if you lift this off me, but what you don't understand is that there is an all-seeing eye that has been watching in your life that if he ever removed the thorn, Paul said, I asked him to remove it three times. And he never removed the thorn. What you don't know, sweetheart, is that thorn is keeping you in the presence of God. Do not despise where you are. God has sent a watchman. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have more. But if you haven't noticed the trend, most of the time when people start getting more, they move the more in front of God and they seek God second and third and fourth. But Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all these things will be added unto you. God, give us a watchman that'll stand on the wall and declare, seek him first. Seek God first. Oh, my, my, my. Now, I feel like telling you that in ancient times, those who lived in walled cities were considered to be blessed individuals. It was not something that they despised and they hated because they felt like they were being smothered. It was because they understood that if the city was inside the walls, 
then those walls weren't just to keep them in. It was to keep things out. And I get tired of people looking at me and saying, bro, your walls are too high. That's not all required to be saved. There is a difference in what's required for me to be saved and what's required for me to be safe. Some folks put on their dancing shoes and the only dance floor they work on is the dance floor that's just outside the walls. But if you dance outside the walls long enough, you're going to find out what those walls have been keeping off of you. I know you may feel like your mother and your daddy are smothering you to death by dragging your hide to church every weekend. But you know what I want to preach to your moms and dads tonight and say just keep on bringing them. Every Sunday morning, get up and bring them to the house of God. Come on, let me preach to you right now as long as you're paying the bills as long as you're whoa you don't want to help me preach right now as long as you're putting food on the table you get those babies to the house of God our young people need some watchmen they need some moms and dads that say if you die and go to hell it'll be over my dead body Come on, I'm talking about somebody that'll go out of the way to bring that grandbaby to church. I'm talking about somebody that'll reach for those children and say, I'll do whatever I've got to do, but they're not going to be lost. I know it's comical, but I've always said when people look at me and say, man, you turned out pretty good. I know your parents were hard on you, you know. It's funny because I guess compared to what we live in now, they were pretty hard on me. When they say you turned out pretty good for having parents that were hard on you, I just blame it on my drug problem. Because every time the doors were open 350 times a year for my family, they drug my hide through the doors. <laughs> no, I did not just fabricate that story right there. I'm talking about at least 350 times a year. My family was in church on the evangelistic field. And I'd hear my dad preach the same thing. I could have preached some of them word for word with him. You don't believe me? They're ingrained from battle to blessing. I love that one, Dad, because you sang in that one. Do you remember singing it? What'd you sing? Esther? Yeah? Mm. He'd, do the, he'd do the chicken neck thing. He'd get to that one part and he'd do the old stutter step chicken neck. Mm, if I perish, I'll just have to perish. But I'm going to see the king. He'd get up and he'd start reading in Genesis. Third chapter and I'd say, lean over to Jody and say, the flaming reminder. Remember that, Mom? 
We were in a camp meeting one night. I had this boy sitting beside me. And this is going to sound like I'm a millennial. Pushing the blame on everybody. I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry. Y'all just forget. I'm just sick of everybody getting trophies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I was sitting in church. And that boy would not leave me alone. We're in a camp meeting. I'm talking about people everywhere. And he just kept picking. So I finally turned to him and said, stop. Stop. Well, just as I turned to talk. The old bishop happened to look down and see me talking. I just broke out into a sweat. And my dad, when he would snap his finger in church, it was so loud. Jason, I could hear him if you were playing the drums. I could hear it. My dad's snap was the loudest thing in the room. And as soon as he did it, I squeezed up because I knew what was coming to my backside when church was over. So I just blame it on my drug problem. We don't need watchmen that will look at our kids and say, okay, babe, well, if you don't, don't want to go. I understand. Honey, I know there's you service tonight, but if you want to go to the dance, that's all right. Woo! I'm finna have to get the choir up here in the loft and preach to somebody in a minute. I, I know there's a ball game tonight, so if you want to go on to the ball game, that's okay, baby. You, I'll be the watchman for you. You ain't watching for nothing. Well, they need to be able to think on their own. I agree. But they're going to think on their own when they're paying on their own. And until then, when the church doors are open, as for me and my house, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. I don't care how big the Little League tournament is. If it's happening on Sunday, they're not playing baseball. They're going to be in the house of the living God. Can I take a drink? People that lived in walled cities had two layers of security. They had the wall. And the higher the wall, they say, the more resourceful the city. The larger the wall, the more resources they had. But the second thing they knew is they didn't just have the wall. They had a watchman that stood on the wall. They had somebody that said, look... We're not just here to build walls. We're here to tell you why walls are here. And the problem is when we start making walls and holiness and separation just about being whatever it takes to get to heaven, we've missed the mark. Never have I seen anywhere in the scripture where the watchman demanded the safety of the people. 
So if you've got to have somebody tell you every single day of your life why that wall is there and why there's still a gate there, then you need to, all, you, all you need to do is come stand by that watchman for one night and get in a prayer meeting with that watchman. And when he starts calling out the lions that are in the distance, that if there wasn't a gate right there, that lion would be free to come in to your neighborhood and to start going through your house. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, friend, I believe with all my heart that your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is roaming to and fro and notice the language, seeking whom he may devour. But if he never gets inside the walls, then he cannot devour me. So we had the walled cities that were gated and we had watchmen that were on the wall. We had watchmen that stood in the tower and then we had watchmen that patrolled the wall because some men had to stay in a tower in a place where they could see off in the distance. But people who patrolled the wall were more sensitive to the sound of vibrations and the feelings and the noises that were close. Because while some men were looking off in the distance, those that were patrolling the wall were looking down the side of the wall to just be sure that every hinge was still in place on every gate and saying, Lord, whatever we've got to do, let us keep the, the gates closed on this city. God, whatever we've got to do. And one prophet even looked at them and said, don't open the gate until the sun be hot. What in the world is that supposed to mean? The sun got hottest at the highest part of the sun in the day. What he was saying is, whatever you do, watchman, don't you dare open up the gate. You keep an eye on that. And don't you let the gatekeepers open up the gate until the sun is high enough and hot enough that it's burned off every bit of the fog and every bit of the night. Because while we're in a foggy season and a storm me season we don't need to be letting people in oh yeah. man I feel something on that vein right there it's a little foggy out and the watchman that's on the wall saying you keep that gate closed until the sun burns off this fog we're not letting somebody in that we don't know what they're preaching we don't know what they're teaching we don't know what they're living we don't know what they're doing inside the walls wait till the sun be hot I'm hurrying. The watchman had two primary purposes. To watch and to warn. I believe with all my heart that we need a pastor. A man of God that will stand in the tower and pray and seek God. But we need some saints of God that will get up on the wall with their preacher. Start walking the walls in prayer. And whenever somebody starts feeling something, they can say, hey, watchman, what do you think about this? Because I felt it in prayer. And then we start trying the spirits and saying, oh, God, keep it away from our kids. Lord, God, keep it away from our youth department. 
Lord Jesus, we're, we're praying back that spirit of fornication before it ever gets a hold of them. Because if they get to fornicating, then they're going to feel like they need to get married. And when they get married and it's not the will of God, then their family's going to be in a mess. Are you getting where I'm going yet? We're walking full circle here. We need some people that'll be vigilant and pray in the spirit. We need somebody that'll be sober in the Holy Ghost. We need some men and women of God that'll get all the pressure off of the watchman in the pulpit and say, I'm going to find me some carpet somewhere. I'm going to find me a corner in my house. I'm going to turn it into a war room. I'm not going to let my house be a prayerless house. I'm going to find me a prayer closet somewhere and we're going to pray together. This is not just about a pastor. It's about the body of Christ working together. We need some Sunday school teachers that'll be watching on the wall for our kids. We need some youth ministry that'll be watching for our kids. I'm hurrying right now. But we live in a different day. and You hear me? We live in a different day. And I'm not saying people haven't abused it, so don't get me wrong. But you know what? When I was a little kid, if I ran around the church, it didn't have to be my mom and dad told me to stop running. I don't think anybody ever exercised it. It's probably because I was so good. But did you just laugh? But I think there was other people that had permission to whoop my bohonkus. I'm pretty sure. But you know what? The age we live in now, if you snap your finger at somebody else's kids, It only takes one generation to establish that as the rule and not the exception. Because all your kids have to do is hear you say one time, who do you think you are telling my kids not to run in the church? Brother Mark Luper, what do you think would have happened if somebody would have got on you in the church, you'd have told them to mind their own business, say what, and your dad? Hey, Amen. Mark, get over here. It was a different day and time. But you listen to what I'm telling you. I'm not trying to get sidetracked here, and I'm going to finish preaching in just a minute. But the very same spirit that will tell a teacher and a principal they have no right. That's why, that's exactly why we have little walled off towns inside of cities with no rule and no authority. I'm just telling y'all, when I got my license at 16... If I would have had an officer of the law pull me over and say license and registration and I'd have cracked my window this far and said, what are you restraining me for? I wouldn't have had car keys for six months. 
Oh, it drives me crazy. 16-year-old high school geeks have turned into lawyers because of YouTube. Quit being a goober and give the officer your license. Well, what if he gives me a ticket? Then go home, let your dad whoop you, and you don't get to drive for a month. If I made you mad, you can buy me a cheeseburger later. We got to get, look, we can stand all day and talk about all the problems it's created. But I believe that God-fearing people can make a difference in our society by being on our knees more than we're on our phones. Pastor, I don't ever see you say very much online. You're right. (laughs) Let me add something to that. Don't start holding your breath for a daily post. (laughs) Somebody said, I tried to get a hold of you on Facebook. Well, it could take a while. Because if I turn on something that in three minutes I'm so stressed I can't hardly breathe, I don't want it. Well, I want my voice to be heard because I disagree. Don't even, don't try it. You thinking to throw some gasoline on a fire that you ain't big enough to put out. What do you think we, what, what would happen if every one of us every day before we started to post something goofy? We just go ahead over to our Bible app, which I hope you got on your phone. And we just find us a real good encouraging scripture and hit copy, paste. Wouldn't that that be awesome? Well, why would I do that when I can share that there were 19 more cases of COVID somewhere else? Lord God. I can't wait, and I hope it's in my lifetime that that stupid cuss word goes away and we don't talk about it anymore. Man. Huh. We, we walked in the restaurant to eat today. Brother Caleb was with us. Had to sit him at the table with my kids. Because they said, you can't put one more chair at the table. I said, my Lord, if you'd have seen us 30 minutes ago, you wouldn't be worried about our table right now. <laughs> I guess I could just tell them we're family. We are, aren't we? Aren't we all just family? I got I to gotta hurry, my Lord. You guys sang too long tonight or something. So this week... I was reading, and this is kind of how this message came to be. I'm going to give in my secrets, all right? You know, my wife and I, Jocelyn, we just took a long trip home from New Mexico and went through South Dakota to come home because we wanted to see the monument there at Mount Rushmore. While I was there, I picked up a book, and uh, I did scare my wife on the road when I picked up that book, and she... I was driving. She said, are you seriously going to read? I was like, 
Everybody else texts. Why can't I read, you know? <laughs> so I'm reading this book. And it's a book about an old Indian uh, that was interviewed by uh, what he called the white man. And he never would talk to people outside because uh, he only spoke the Lakota language, Sister Diane. You've probably read about Black Elk in the in Black Hills. But his name was Black Elk. And there was a, a white man, he called him, that, that found favor with him. And he actually was a, a journalist. And so he sat down and told all the stories of his childhood Black Elk did to this white journalist. And he just started spilling the beans. And so it's, it's crazy. He's telling stories about things that happened to him and wars that happened when the soldiers came in and started taking over the Black Hills. Very, very interesting to read. And I got to this one chapter. And it said that they had got to a certain place where they had to camp because they were being pushed by Custer and the men that were coming in for the... Uh, for the gold medal, he called it. For the shiny gold medal. He said it made the white man go crazy. When they found out there was shiny gold medal in the hills. And so they, they come to this place, but it was somewhere. And if you guys will follow me in this story right here, I won't even have to preach this. They said his, he said it wasn't some place that we planned on staying for long. Because we were just passing through. He said, but we were near what we knew to be a pretty strong uh, group of crow Indians. And he said, nobody knew how to steal a horse like a crow. He said, those crow Indians were the best horse thieves that there were. And he said, so we were aware of our surroundings. And we knew how close we were to the crows. But we had to take rest that night at sunfall. And he said, so... What we did is before the sun went down, he said, we cut down the trees that we needed and we made, uh, we made a, a little fenced-in area and all the men and families brought their horses and they put them in one corral for the night. But he said, we didn't want a crow stealing our, horse, our horses. He said, so the thing that we knew to do was we put one teepee at the gate of the corral. And he said one of the men, the families in our tribe was selected to be the watchman. And his teepee was different than all the others because they were scattered out in the plain area. He said, but that man, he had the discomfort of staying awake all night long. And he had a hole cut out in the side of his teepee. And he said that watchman and his family set up their teepee that night at the gate. Somebody say the gate. And he stood all night vigilant. And he watched through the hole of the teepee. He said, but on this particular night, we had a feeling that there were some crows that were coming. And he said, so the man wanted to be vigilant. And when he got weary, oh my God, y'all, I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down right here. He said when he got weary, he told his wife, he said, honey, I'm getting tired and I need somebody to come watch for me. I sure am glad she didn't look at him and say, well, you're weak. 
he had somebody that would help carry the burden. Come on. She said she got up out of bed. And Black Elk said that the old man laid down and immediately went to snoring. But Mama got to looking out the window. It said she stood there and she watched all night long. And this is the way he told the story. He said the old man was sleeping. And said she turned around and she smacked him. She said, old man, wake up. I see a silhouette in the moonlight that just came into the corral. He said, so I stood up. And he said, the old man got to look and he said, sure enough, mama was right. She looked out there. He looked out the window and what mama had seen was for sure an old Indian. Now listen to me. He said that old crow was walking through the corral softly and tenderly. And he was looking for the best horse. He was looking for the prime horse. He was walking through because he thought he was going to get his pick. He was looking for the one that had the thickest loins and the flattest back. So that he wasn't an old arch back buckskin that when he got him out of the corral he wasn't going to last he was looking for the young one that had strength and energy and he's creeping through there at night and he's looking but what he did not know is that somebody was wise to his devices and was standing in that old teepee looking out and said hey they don't have the horse yet but he sure does think he's about to but before he got his hands on the young horse, before he, whoo, before he got his hands on a prime horse, somebody said, I'm going to be vigilant and get to watching. You can't make this stuff up. Follow me right here. Black Elk said, that old man told his wife, said, you stay there at the window and you keep watching. And Bishop, this is what he said. He said, the old man, he crawled outside of the tent and he didn't care about the dew that was in the grass. He said, the old man crawled outside the tent and he laid down in the grass. And he said, he told her, you just let me know when he's close because he's not going to see me laying here. But you let me know when he comes. He said, because he's getting ready to throw his leg over a horse. And when he throws his leg over that horse, you let me know that he's coming our way. And he said, before he ever gets the horse out of the corral, I'm going to take him down. Oh, my God. Can I tell you, dads, what may help your family more than you think? I'm going to stay right down here and pray. And before they ever get my kids out of the corral, I'm going to be sure that we need some watchmen that don't mind to get down on their faces in the middle of the night nonetheless. Now y'all don't have to believe me, but Papa. I got to reading that story and I could feel the dew on the grass. I felt like I was standing there watching that old Indian. I felt like I could see him spreading himself out on the ground. I got to reading about it. And it said that old crow threw his leg up over that bareback horse. And he started easing around through there. And said just before he got to the gate, Mama reached down and tapped him on the leg and said, Here he comes. 
And just as he got there, the old man jumped up. He shot the crow Indian, knocked him off of the horse, and he laid there and died that night. Listen, that night they drugged that old dead Indian over there into the middle of the corral. And it said the moms and the dads and all the young people, they came out of their teepees in the middle of the night and said they danced the rest of the night because the thief had been caught. What would would happen if we would start rejoicing every time the thief is exposed? You just thought you were coming in my house, son. You just thought you were coming after my family. But you've been exposed. You have been exposed. And we're going to dance on it tonight. I must hurry. I must hurry. Let me just finish. Let me give you the shortcut version. So they said they all danced all night long. But the next day they packed up camp to leave, Bishop. And they said the old man that had killed the Crow Indian in the middle of the night, they said when he arrived, when he came up out of his teepee, that next morning he came out of his teepee and his face was painted solid black because he put on his war paint. Black Elk said this was the way that a warrior would dress when he was either going to war or had had a victory. And said he came out and he had that victory paint on his face. And he walked into the corral. I love this. I about shouted when I read it. He walked into that corral and he went over to the horse, the very horse that the other man had tried to steal in the middle of the night. And he threw his leg up over it with his victory paint on. And he rode the horse that the the enemy tried to that the enemy had tried to steal in the night I want you to think about this with me if you would that old man came out with victory and he got himself up on that horse to let every other Indian that he rode by know the last man that tried to take this horse I think we ought to serve notice on every devil that comes against our family. The last one that came for my kids, it didn't work out so well. And I'm going to prove it to you, devil. Every time the doors are open, I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to have my dancing shoes on. I'm dancing on the grave of my enemy. Oh, God. How about I had myself a fit? So that next day, he came out with his chest high, his head up in the air, and he was riding on that thing that the enemy had tried to steal. I'm just wondering tonight in this house if there's anybody in here that in the hours of the night of your life right now, some of you have been in a dark season, but the enemy has tried to take your victory. Tried to take your mental well-being and health. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. There's some people in this house that you've been in a dark place you don't even want to talk to people about. You've been in a dark place and you've been affected deeply by some things going on around you that you you didn't really think it affects you like it has. He's tried to take away your mental capacity to think. But tonight, 
the very thing that he tried to take from you. You're going to throw your leg over that victory tonight. And you're going to ride right back through the camp of the enemy. And you're going to let him know you may have hit me with your best shot in the middle of the night. But I want you to know that I'm still victorious. I want you to know that I'm still free. I want you to know, devil, you gave me your best shot. But I'm still standing. You couldn't take me out or you would have already taken me out. I'm going to ride my victory all the way through. Come on. If you're waiting on me to call you, you're going to be waiting a while. I'm looking for somebody that's ready to take what the enemy tried to steal from you and ride it in his face tonight and let him know you are victorious.